Welcome back to Premier Sports Academy guest speaker series brought to you by Sportscraft Source for Sports. Okay, uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, episode, I believe it's episode six here with uh, we've got Kyle Orr uh, joining us all the way from BC. Uh, what is it, 9 a.m. Pacific time? So yeah, you got me up early for this one. Yeah, definitely. We really appreciate it. Uh, you dropping on. So, Kyle, uh, just for our viewers who have joined us, uh, we seem to be getting a lot early on here. Uh, just again, uh, we put up your background, but uh, just explain your background and your extensive baseball resume. Yeah, thanks, Noah. And uh, happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. I'm glad to be talking to everybody. Um, you know, growing up as a kid on the West Coast of Canada, baseball is obviously uh, it's a big thing. Um, you know, played for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, growing up through Little League and then through high school, playing in the, the BC Premier Baseball League with the Victoria Mariners. Uh, from there, got a chance to play uh, provincially for Team British Columbia for a number of years, you know, doing things like the Baseball Canada Cup and uh, those type of things. Uh, from there, kind of a springboard to the Canadian Junior National Team. So I was with the Junior National Team in my 10th, 11th and 12th grade years. Um, had a, had the opportunity there to win a bronze medal in 2006 at the World Junior Baseball Championships in Cuba with a lot of names you guys would recognize. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, from there, signed uh, to play uh, co collegiately at the University of Kentucky, which is in the Southeastern Conference with uh, pretty elite conference. You know, schools like uh, Vanderbilt, Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee. You know, all the big names. Uh, ended up drafted high enough uh, to forego that college uh, career and ended up uh, going straight professional. Spent about uh, six years playing professionally uh, with a mix of uh, mostly with the LA Dodgers organization, also a bit with the Minnesota Twins. Um, we can talk a little bit. I was with the Dodgers as a position player, but with the Twins as a pitcher. So I kind of did both sides of that. Um, and then uh, after that, played in the uh, Golden Baseball League in my hometown, which was really cool. There was a team at the time called the Victoria Seals. Uh, that was a fun league. We went to places like Tijuana, Mexico and Hawaii and all over California. So that was pretty fun. Uh, and then finally culminated my playing career kind of as a player coach, uh, playing overseas in the south of France in the French Elite League. I did that for a year. I uh, had a great experience over there. Um, after that, decided to go back to school and uh, get that taken care of, and now kind of working in the sports media industry. So that's uh, that's a, the cliff notes of, of uh, my baseball career. Yeah, I guess jump into you just talked about it. You know, coming back and getting your education taken care of. Um, just for some of our viewers, uh, just for them to understand, you know, what the process was like when you went through, you know, signing and picking a school, and then ultimately why you did make the decision to sign pro instead of going to school. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think I preface this by saying it's different for every person. Um, you know, for me, the, the collegiate thing was really exciting. I, I was fortunate enough and, and lucky enough to have a lot of offers from a lot of schools. Um, you know, I, I went on a number of official visits. Um, for those of you that don't know, an official visit obviously is when uh, the school brings you down, you know, to their campus to walk you through their facilities, meet the coaching staff, you know, see what life's going to be like. Um, so I did a number of visits, um, settled somewhere that I, you know, was really happy with. And, you know, we can talk about the reasons for that. 
ultimately for me, what it came down to at the end of the day was I was sure to negotiate into my contract when I signed that the cost of school would be covered if I went pro. Um, so Major League Baseball has a scholarship program that they use. Basically what they say is, hey, as long as you start school within X amount of years of being done playing professional affiliated baseball, I think that's two years, um, you know, we'll honor the cost of whatever your scholarship was and we'll pay for you to go to university. Um, so that was a big thing, you know, that kind of put my parents at ease. Obviously, you know, they want their kid to get an education. Um, the percentage of people realistically that make it that sign pro was very, very small. So you need to, you know, be smart about that. Um, and ultimately the decision came down to, listen, I might go to school for a year and blow up my elbow and never have a chance to play again. Um, I was drafted high enough where I got a, a nice little signing bonus. Um, you know, a number of people that I trusted kind of said, Hey, you know, take your shot. You're developed enough. Um, you know, let's see if you can make it. Um, you know, looking back, who knows? It's always tough. There's, you know, I played with a, a number of guys that went the other route. Um, the guy that came to mind is is James Paxton. James and I took our official visit to Kentucky together. We were signed to go there together. We we're good buddies. Um, I ended up, you know, playing right away, signing professionally. He ended up going to college. You know, three years later, he's throwing 100 miles an hour, and now he's uh, the Yankees' frontline starter. So, you know, you, you just never know. And I think it's different for everybody. Um, but for me, it was really, you know, let's take the shot, go with what's in front of me. And I have that backup plan and that, that cost of school covered if it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, just, just to kind of build that. So obviously Kentucky being in the SEC, a lot of great teams, a lot of great talent. Um, so, what what made Kentucky uh, kind of more attractive than the other official visits you went on? Yeah, it, it was honestly, you know, there's definitely the draw of playing in that conference. Um, you know, at, at that time, that year, you know, David Price was at Vanderbilt and he was he was everything that year. Um, so, that, you know, that's a big draw for sure. But, you know, what I what it more comes down to, I would say, is a feeling and the feeling that you get with the coaching staff, um, you know, when you're at that that recruiting process, you're talking to these people a lot um, and you're really putting a lot of trust and faith in them. So it was the feeling, honestly, of the campus, the coaching staff, the athletic director, the head coaches, the support staff. Um, they felt like I, people I would put a lot of trust into. They really, you know, cared about the success of their program and developing me as a player. Um, they had experience, obviously, as a big school of developing players, you know, that were drafted and, and putting them off to professional careers as well. Um, so that played a part in it. At the end of the day, it was a really tough decision. You know, you can go for a lot of different routes. I could have gone a lot closer to home. One of my other official visits was to Washington State University, which is just down the road from where I live. Um, it didn't quite have the same feeling. Um, you know, you wanted to go somewhere where you realistically had a chance. You think you can play. You think you can be a big part of the program. Um, and you think that it fits in well with who you are as a person. Um, the lifestyle of, you know, being on campus. What's that like? Um, looking at, you know, where they're recruiting people from in the past. Talking to people that have played there in the past. People that have played for those coaches. It all just kind of came together and I felt really good about going to that school. Obviously, it helped that, you know, James and I were going to be going there together, a familiar face from back home. 
um, that we both kind of uh, had that same feeling. So I don't think it, there's any, you know, be all end all answer. I would say trust your gut, trust your instinct, instincts, ask the right questions, you know, ask the coach, realistically look at the roster as well, right? If there's, if you're an outfielder and there's 18 outfielders on the roster, ask those tough questions. Where do I fit in? How do you see this playing out? Um, and then talk it with your family and, and people that you trust and close to you. And I think that'll lead you to a decision. When you're on an official visit, I just a little bit more, you know, staying on that topic. I mean, is it, is it almost foregone at that point that, that they're quite interested in you attending that school? I mean, is that kind of a known thing? Yeah, I'd say so. They, um, a lot of schools might offer you an unofficial visit, which means like, hey, we can't really pay for anything. We can't do anything officially on the books. We don't have to register this with the NCAA, like come take a look or, hey, come pay to work out at our camp and we'll take a look at you. If it gets to the point of, hey, we want to bring you down for an official visit, usually that official visit ends with, here's the scholarship we're offering you. Um, so all, all of my visits, that's, you know, you culminate in going into the coach's office and they sit down and offer you a scholarship and say, we want you to play here. Yeah. And, it, and was it a tough, de- oh, sorry, no, was, just, was it a tough decision to kind of let them know when you made the decision to go pro and what's that conversation like? Yeah, very tough. You know, these are, I was genuinely over the moon excited to go play at, at UK, right? Like they're a storied school. You think of college basketball, even you think of UK, they're huge. Um, and I had become pretty close with the coaching staff because I, I signed in the early signing period. So that's in the fall of your senior year. I think I signed in October and then the draft's not till June. Right. So for those months in between, you're definitely staying in touch and looking at how the team's doing and talking to the coaches. Um, and then obviously it was kind of funny that there was two, the two coaches, the head coach and the, the pitching coach were the kind of two people I talked to the most. I was going to be a two-way player there. I was going to do both. Um, the head coach kind of called me and said, Hey, like I see you were drafted in the fourth round. Good luck. Let me know if there's anything we can do. Uh, and then the pitching coach kind of put on the full court press. He brought out a bunch of data and spreadsheets like, Hey, here's a, here's the guys that are drafted in you know, the first 10 rounds. Here's the guys that fizzled out, didn't ever make it. Here's the guys that were drafted in 10 rounds, first 10 rounds and came to school with me for three years. And here's where they are now. Um, so yeah, really kind of put the full court press on. I mean, they spent a lot of time and energy and resources recruiting you. You know, they think you're going to be a big part of their program for the next two or three years. Um, so they don't, they don't take it easily. If you're ever, you know, if you're lucky enough to be in that spot, it's a good spot to be in, but it's not an easy conversation to have. No, it, it, def- it definitely wouldn't be. I mean, uh, on, on that side of things too. Um, so being drafted, obviously fourth round out of high school. Um, now uh, for those who follow the draft, understand that obviously um, strong commitments to school really push guys down the draft board, but it seems like you stuck within probably that one to five rounds where, Hey, a team is willing to put their go out and try and put the full court press on to get you and to get you to sign with them besides going to school. So, um, what, what, again, Dodger side of things, what really like when you, when you first got to camp and you spoke to the Dodgers, um, what was that conversation like initially? Yeah, there's actually a lot of things that go on behind the scenes at the draft too, right? So like before they call your name on stage or on screen or whatever, they're calling you and they're saying like, 
hey, we want to take you with this pick. We're going to offer you this amount of money. Will you sign? Or are you going to go to school? Like they really want to know, right? Um, so that, you know, that was taken care of. And then when I first got there, I mean, shoot, I was, I was young guys. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a late birthday. So I had like literally just turned 18 and I went to what's called fall instructional league. So, um, run back just a bit back when I was originally drafted, the U S visas worked a little differently and they capped them out at the number of visas they could offer per year. So even though I was drafted in June, they allowed me to play that summer with the Canadian junior national team. And then I was able to sign finally in September or October because the visas had reset and go down to instructional league. So instructional league is kind of where their top prospects go. It's after the season uh, and it's kind of, it's a developmental camp for their top prospects before the next season. Um, and let me tell you, it was eye opening. Um, you know, here I am 18 years old, thinking that, you know, you're the bee's knees, you're a fourth round draft pick, you're the man, you just come off a world junior bronze medal where you had a good tournament. All of a sudden you show up and you're like, oh my God, like, these guys can play, right? Um, so that my first experience was largely just kind of, you're just trying to get your feet wet and realize what you've gotten yourself into. Um, so I think that the first fall instructional league was kind of a blur, you know, you're just and I'd been exposed to it a bit with the Canadian junior national team. We play against some of those teams and stuff, but when you're actually there and expected to compete, um, you know, it's, it's eye opening. So the coaching staff at first is obviously very good. You know, like they realize, Hey, you're young, you're raw, you're a high draft pick. Don't worry about pressure expectations. Just go out there and be yourself. Um, so, you know, that was my first experience. And then, so that's like a, you know, three to four, six week thing. I don't remember exactly what it is. And then you kind of have the off season to prepare. And then my first, my first spring training, I guess it would have been 2007 was really kind of, you know, where it all really started. Um, my first ever like professional at bat in spring training in an inner squad game, I'll never forget it. It was on backfield at Dodger town, which is our old spring training facility in Vero beach, Florida. Um, and I get drunk, you know, that and clean up in the lineup, inner squad game, go up there. And I look out there and uh, the same year I was drafted, the Dodgers first pick was Clayton Kershaw. And I'm a left-handed hitter. And my first at bat ever is against Kershaw. <laughs> uh, so I swing through a high fastball. He absolutely buckles me with the curveball, And then I take a fastball, paint it on the black for strike three. And I'm kind of like, Oh my God, like, is everybody like this? Like, what is going on? And I walk back to the dugout and coach kind of pats me on the butt and says like, Hey, hang with him, kid. Don't worry about it. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of eye opening. It makes you, you know, tells you how hard you have to work to get to the level you want to work to. Um, and then from there, it's just all about development. So all the coaches at you know, in the minor leagues are all just, Hey, let's try to get you better every day. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, Definitely eye-opening on the development side. Like like you just said, it's kind of that shock. We had uh, Rob Nixon, who was drafted by the Cleveland Indians, a uh, former teammate of mine who was on a couple of days ago. And he said he came from, obviously, he went the college route, uh, D2, and then was drafted. And, I mean, he was drafted late round, so, I mean, not even, a, not even after, an afterthought. And he got into camp, and he said the exact same thing, kind of like, wow, like, these guys are ready to go. Like, I've got some tough competition. 
But again, uh, developing that mentality. So for you, obviously being an 18 year old, it's a different mentality. It's you're dealing with a lot of, uh, again, it's not just on the field, but it's off the field. It's being away from family. Um, obviously how did, how did the junior national team kind of prepare you for that experience? Yeah, they, it's such an amazing program. You know, Greg Hamilton does such a great job. They really try to, to open your eyes to it a little bit with everything they're doing. They try to run it as like a professional camp. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have the locker room facilities, you have the gear, you're playing against the professional players. Um, so it, it was, it really opened your eyes to it and it really prepares you for it. I feel like, you know, through that program, I was exposed to a lot higher level talent and, and caliber of players that I would have been anywhere else. Um, you know, both on the professional side and, you know, when you're playing against, you know, Team USA, those guys are all first round draft picks and all names that you're going to see in the big leagues in a couple of years. Um, so that was, you know, it was an outstanding experience. And um, yeah, if, if any of you ever get a chance to, to talk to Greg or go through that process, it's, it's amazing. Well, we have, uh, I guess I'm put it out there right now, uh, on Thursday, actually, we're having uh, Les McTavish on. Was Les there uh, when you were down there? Les was the pitching coach when I was there for a couple of years. Yeah, Les is a great dude, and he's been through it all, and yeah, that'll be great. What's the one, I guess, you know, just finishing up on the national program, what's probably the one experience, and not necessarily success or anything, but what the one thing you really took away that, you know, helped, helped prepare you for baseball or, you know, take your game to the next level? Yeah, I would say it's it's just a bit of the honestly, it's the grind. You know, it's yeah. if you ever get a chance to you know be in extended spring training or in fall instructional league, those places you're at with the national team, it's it's really your first exposure to hey, like hey, this is your job and this is what's expected of you. You're at the field from seven thirty until six p.m. every day, right? You're there for ten, twelve hours. You're not only playing, but it's hey, a morning full of drills and, you know, PFPs, bunk coverages, relays, cutoffs, cage work, anything. And then, you know, hit the weight room, you know, and then video study. Like it, it's a it's a grind and it's kind of the mindset you really got to take to heart if you want to be successful. And uh, just to kind of move along and kind of go through, again, your career path. So. Um, obviously, uh, you were drafted by the Dodgers and were with that organization for a little bit. And then moving over to the Minnesota Twins, it was something that I didn't know prior to us kind of jumping on here. But um, you made the transition from being a hitter and a position player to a pitcher. So can you give our viewers kind of some insight into that and what that transition was really like? Yeah, so pretty unique. I, you know, as I mentioned, uh, growing up and on, and on Team Canada and going to the U to University of Kentucky, I was going to be a two-way guy. Um, I had always done both, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm about six foot five. Um, you know, I, I was, I hit left and throw right. So I was, you know, kind of first base outfield pitcher, everything growing up. Um, it was interesting at the time, 2006, when I was being drafted, you know, some teams were looking at me as a pitcher. Some teams were looking at me as a hitter. Um, so I was kind of fortunate enough to be able to do both. Obviously ended up going the hitting route. Um, you know, I was, I was a high level prospect who never quite put it together. I would say on the hitting stuff, I had, you know, the power was my game, you know, I was expected to hit a lot of home runs and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, you know, I took a really good run at that for, you know, five years or whatever it was always kind of keeping in the back of my mind that 
hmm, I wonder if I could do this as a pitcher. You know, I it was a tough decision at the time to give up on pitching because I was, you know, I felt like I was pretty strong at it. Um, and it was funny. What actually happened was my my agent actually was still connected to some of the scouts that had seen me in high school. Um, they gave me a call and he said, like, hey, this dude from the Twins, like, saw you in high school as a pitcher and kind of wants to sign you and give you a shot. Like, what do you think? <laughs> I was like, well... <laughs> I mean, let, let's give it a shot. I hadn't pitched in, you know, five, six years at that point, really. So I spent one off season really trying to hone it in and, and get back to it and working with a lot of the pitching coaches that I had done in high school and stuff. And I went to spring training and spent a year as a pitcher with the twins. And it was, it was a wild, it's kind of wild to be on the other side of it. Um, when you've been in five spring trainings as a hitter and the pitchers are always kind of isolated in their own group and you never really compete with them. And then, all of a sudden you're on the flip side. So, you know, it was really cool. It was, I was really lucky to be able to do it. Um, so I would, you know, I, I think the message is don't pigeonhole yourself when you're, when you're growing up into a certain position. Um, honestly, realistically, the people that are making it today are the athletes. They'll find a position for you to play. So if, if you want to keep pitching and keep hitting, if you want to be a catcher, whatever it is, you know, keep doing it. Um, and, you know, keep exposing yourself to all those, those opportunities and those challenges. It, it opens a lot of doors, you know, because I had then gone to spring training as a pitcher with Minnesota and, and had that experience that opened up doors to go play overseas and, and do both over there. So when I lived in France, I did both. I pitched, and I played first base. Um, so it was really neat. So yeah, just keep open to all opportunities, keep working on, on every part of your game. You never know where it's going to take you. Well, you're seeing that trend right now. I think Noah and I have talked about this a few times, but the trend of a lot of retiring or aging out outfielders trying to make the comeback now as pitchers, right? They have these strong arms, but they've spent 20 years, you know, basically airing it out, right? All they do is long toss. And now they have these guys that are coming back throwing mid-high 90s that probably weren't ever really pitchers, right? So it kind of shows to what you're saying is that, you know, you can you can do more if you're an athlete, right? And you focus on those things. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny trend, and it's cool to see. You know, obviously, someone like a Shohei Otani kind of opens up those doors. Um, and, you know, the specialization of the game now with, you know, the way they use bullpens, it makes a lot of sense for these guys. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting perspective. I One of my best friends growing up, um, he's now today, he's the, the big league bench coach for the Seattle Mariners. He was a minor league field coordinator for a number of years and has worked his way up. And his take on player development is very interesting, right? It's all just, we're going to look for athletes. We're going to look at, you know, kinetic chain movements. We're going to look at like, like an NFL combine type thing. And if this person has the right type of muscles and the fast twitch, and can be an athlete. We can teach him how to play baseball. Um, so that's, it's kind of headed in that direction, which is really interesting. Yeah, and that's, I think, part of that, uh, we've, we've, we've brought it up a few times now, not with you, but people are talking about projectability, right? They're looking at an athlete that's not necessarily how they perform right now or today, but you have scouts and coaches looking at people and, and surmising what they think they can be in the future. You know, when, when you were selected, I guess I don't know if you'd even have any insight, were you selected based on your capabilities and your output at that time or what they saw with your physical raw tools? 100% raw tools, um, you know. I was at the level, obviously, where I was a high enough traffic where every one of my high school games, there was multiple teams, scouts in attendance. Um, 
And what was really hammered into me was, listen, they don't care how you do today. What they care about today is your attitude, how you're interacting with your teammates, how you're managing when you strike out. How do you manage when you make a really good play? Um, you know, like kind of, hey, you know you're one of the best players, you know, one of the better, if not the best players on this field. How do you manage that? Um, and they 100% look at tools. You know, it's, hey, this guy is a six foot five, 190 pound skinny kid when he's 17 hitting home runs. What's he going to look like when he's 24 and he's put on 40 pounds? Uh, and where do I project that out? Um, so they really look at that and your, your stats today are, you know, they're important. College coaches are going to look at them, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, if you have a, a good scout or a good college coach, a good recruiter, they're just looking at projectability, you know, as a pitcher, they're looking at what's his arm action look like? Is he fluid? You know, what's his effort level when he throws? Do I think he's going to break down? What's his makeup? What's his, you know, how does he compete? That's the more important stuff. And kind of going, uh, again, kind of uh, moving along in terms of the career path, like uh, obviously with the projectability and the opportunity to play uh, both sides of the ball, not only as a pitcher and a hitter, um, just talk about your experience a little bit for our viewers uh, with your experience in France and uh, playing overseas and what kind, of, what kind of baseball culture was really over there. We don't get to see it a lot here in North America. It's not as publicized. It's not as forefront in the media. Um, obviously, uh, Japan and Korea, we see that a little bit more, but uh, talk about that experience over in France. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I think the kind of uh, genesis of a lot of it was the World Baseball Classic years ago when they started that. Um, Major League Baseball actually puts a lot of time and resources into developing baseball in other countries. So, you know, the Czech Republic's actually has a really good league. Um, Italy has a, has a strong league. Um, most European countries have their own kind of, they call them elite leagues or semi-professional leagues. Um, so what that looked like for me was they bring in, they're typically allowed, you know, three to four import players per team. You're bringing in these imports as, you know, they're either ex-college guys who played at a fairly high college level, and in some cases ex-professional guys. And you're kind of come in as a player coach type of role. Um, the Obviously in a country like France, baseball is, it's not really even on the roadmap as far as other sports. You know, obviously, soccer, volleyball, basketball um, are huge over there. So they're really putting a lot of effort into growing it. So it was a really cool experience. You know, culturally, you're, you're teaching people a lot of things just about baseball and how to play the game. Um, the, the baseball level was surprisingly good. You know, let's say there was, you know, three to four import players on each team that were pro guys. And then it's the best, you know, the best people of France other than that. So it's the people that would play for France in the World Baseball Classic or something like that. Um, so, you know, I would say the message there is, you know, there's tons of opportunity out there to go play in places like this. I mean, Belgium, France, like tons of countries have it. Um, and it was a it was an awesome experience. Honestly, we played a couple games a week and we played on the weekends other than that i was free to do whatever i wanted i lived like in a beach town in the south of france um you know they put up they paid for my apartment they gave me a car and a cell phone and like 500 euros a month or something so it's not like you're making like tons of money but you're over there having fun and your cost of living is covered um and you're growing and developing the game and you know through it i got to play in like the european baseball championships and play against teams from 
all those countries that I mentioned. So yeah, it, it was really neat. Um, and there's lots of doors that can open for you there. So keep an eye on, open for that. Yeah, and I think that's important too, right? Like the door is never closed. We saw it this past year with Philippe Amand. Like he was playing in the, the Can-Am League and, and boom, he had a great year and he got that invite back to big league camp with the Blue Jays, right? So if you're still playing competitive baseball somewhere and you're, and you're constantly getting better, I mean, the opportunities that you've seen haven't gone away just because you're not playing in one of those names that have that, you know, that have that, uh, we'll say, allure, right? I mean, people are still watching and paying attention. A hundred percent. And I think the, you touched on a really good point there and the opportunity to be seen. And I know that, you know, geographically where you guys are at, you think, it, you know, it can be tough and that's true. However, if you're good and if you have the desire, people are going to find you, you know, they're going to watch you play. Um, doors are always going to be open and try to expose yourself as much as you can. You know, it's, you know, playing in a provincial championship, you never know who's going to be there and then playing, you know, for a provincial team going somewhere like a national championship or like the Canada cup, you never know who's going to be there. They could be there to watch somebody on team Alberta, Ontario, BC, and they could see you and they might, you didn't know you before today. Now they know you and now they now doors are going to be open. I'd say that's really where it all started for me was, was team BC in, in the Canada cup in like 2004, my 10th grade year. You go there, I had no expectations. I was a young kid on the team. You know, you, you, you do your thing, you do okay, and all of a sudden you have the junior national team wanting to invite you to their camp. And then, holy crap, like, that's amazing. The junior national team, what are you talking about? And then you go there and, hey, now there's a bunch of college coaches in the seats, um, and now you're starting to get calls about going to college. And now guess what? There's pro scouts there. So it kind of just snowballs. So, you know, if you're, if you're good and if you have the desire to play, you know, stick with it and you, you will get seen and you just never know when you're going to get seen. You never know who's in the stands. You never know who that connection is. Um, there's tons of opportunity out there. Yeah, and that's similar to Ronnie's story, actually. You know, when you guys started playing together, he was at the Canada Cup with, uh, with Newfoundland and he was in his first year midget. And yep. uh, they were getting pumped by Alberta or Saskatchewan or something. And the coach just said, hey, Ronnie, go in and pitch and just throw as hard as you can. Right. And he, and he lit up the radar gun and there happened to be scouts in the stands that game watching someone, whether it was from Alberta or Saskatchewan, I can't remember the team. And that was the same thing you talked about. You never know who's watching. You never know what those opportunities are. And that's actually I wanted to take that point to transition to you. And you kind of mentioned that the importance of the national tournaments. We have some issues here. Um, you know, after Bantam, uh, there's baseball really dies off in Newfoundland because there's not a ton of programming to keep these kids engaged and, and to continue their performance. And, you know, the tryouts for the Canada Cup 17 and under team, you know, they typically don't have a lot of participation. Um, and I think a lot of kids, for whatever reason, are giving up on that opportunity to play sports. And again, just talking about the importance of going to those big tournaments, uh, you know, what it meant for you and what it meant for other people. And I think I think that's I, I think I want people to understand that you have to commit to going to those tournaments if you want the opportunity to play baseball at the next level. Absolutely. I mean, they are, it just opens so many doors and it doesn't matter what province you're from or what your team is like. If you are a good player, they are going to find you. And by they, I mean, college coaches, pro scouts, you know, whoever it may be. Um, so, you know, don't just stay open to all opportunities. You know, for me after, you know, I, I spoke about the one so far, but after, after being on Team BC at the Canada Cup one year, 
I got a call from some dude in Georgia who runs a team called the Georgia Stars where he pays to fly everybody down. He has a facility in his barn in Atlanta, and he takes you to perfect game tournaments uh, and baseball showcases around the country. He paid for everything. Didn't cost me a dime. Never would have expected that, right? So these opportunities are they are multiple, um, and they're everywhere. Uh, so just stay open to them. And it's, it's definitely big, too, as we kind of transition into, obviously, the development, not only for yourself and what you've gone through in your experiences in baseball, but the experiences now and kind of giving back to uh, those athletes um, that you work with, because, again, you do work with athletes, NCCP certified coach and uh, baseball instruction. And I mean, BC is a baseball hotbed. If you look at the names that you've played with, Brett Lowry, uh, James Paxton, and everybody that's come out of uh, kind of the West Coast of Canada, um, what what is one thing right now um, for younger athletes that you really, really try and get across as a message when you're speaking to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, with with how much access there is to information and data and social media, Everybody thinks they can hit like Mike Trout. Everybody thinks they can hit like Albert Pujols, whoever your guy is. If you're, you know, with young athletes trying to develop and they, they're trying to emulate these superstars, that's great. But, but to me, it's don't, don't take the same approach or the same swing that these guys are taking because you're not them. Let's learn the fundamentals first. Let's learn how to hit. Let's learn the game of baseball and not trying to worry about what's my launch angle and how come I don't look like Mike Trout when I swing. So it's to me, it's, yeah, it's dialing it back a little bit and it's really learning the ins and outs of the game. And ultimately you are your own best coach. Any coach can tell you anything, but if you don't feel it and know what the correct feeling is like, it doesn't matter. So understanding your body, understanding what a coach is trying to tell you, and understanding kind of how things feel when you do them right and how things feel when you do it incorrectly. I think that's really key for young players. Um, and outside of that, like I said, it's just not pigeonholing yourself and say, oh, no, I'm a pitcher. No, thanks. You never know what you're going to be. Um, you know, honestly, most kids are too young. You might gravitate in one direction or another and think you're better at something else. I've played with guys that never pitched until – their senior year of college that are now in the big leagues. I played with one of my roommates for years in the minor leagues was D Gordon. D Gordon was a college basketball player who happened to just go to the baseball team one time because his dad was pitching in the big leagues. D Gordon's now had a 10 year big league career as a shortstop and second baseman. Right? So you just, you just never know. Um, just stay open to it. Be athletic play lots of sports, don't just play baseball. I think that's really important. Um, and if you have the drive and the desire to be really good, put the time in and be really good, but you got to work really hard at it. And it's definitely, uh, obviously you just hit the nail on the head right there, work hard and kind of being athletic. So um, just to kind of speak about your experience now and what you do and how you're involved in uh, local minor baseball and um, the Victoria Harbor Cats and uh, those organizations. So what, what is the role that you currently have with uh, developing athletes and uh, youth baseball? Yeah. So I, I try to do a lot of things, you know, I, I do a lot of kind of private instruction um, as much as I can, which, which I really enjoy, um, you know, helping out kids. I would say, you know, 
even as young as 10 or 12 years old, but all the way through high school. Um, you know, with the with the Mariners, who are the, the premier baseball league team out here, I really stay connected to them as much as I can. Um, just try to offer advice, help, insight, answer questions. You know, there, there's lots of good instructors out there. Um, I think what's really important is kind of the perspective um, and, you know, some of the, the broader questions that try to where I try to make myself available to, you know, a kid going through his college coaches calling him and what's that like and what to expect. Um, and then on the other side with the Harbor Cats, they're the, the West Coast collegiate team out here. So they get, you know, it's a pretty good group. They get guys from really, really big schools coming in, um, you know, schools like UCLA, Cal State, whatever. Um, and, and kind of talking to those players about the pro side and what to expect going through, you know, your first couple of years of pro ball. Um, so, you know, try to stay connected as much as I can. Uh, the other part I'm involved with is the high school baseball academy out here, um, which was started when I was uh, a junior in high school. Um, and that's a really good place for our, our young kids to go out and have baseball as part of their everyday school, um, which is pretty cool. So, um, you know, I, I haven't, there's, there are players who stay more involved than I do. You know, candidly, after after I got done playing, I needed a year or two off to kind of step away from the game. I think you find that kind of common with a lot of guys. Um, but then that you know, desire to come back as you start missing, you know, the things that you love about baseball creeps back in. Um, we've been fortunate out here in, in Victoria the last couple of years to host uh, actually the men's national championship as well. So I've been involved in that and, and strapping them, lacing them back up to play in that as well. So it's been a lot of fun. You um, you just kind of talked about uh, a little bit with, you know, uh, when you stepped into the Premier League, uh, the PBLBC, if we touched on a little bit earlier, um, just for some of our athletes out there, you know, there's, there's two, there's a few more leagues in the country, but there's two really big ones, right? There's the PBLBC and the PBLO in Ontario. And I think, uh, can you just kind of give an example to some of the kids and some of the athletes that are coming out of these programs, you know, where they're going to school and, and playing with the national team? I mean, you look at the team this year, most recently, the junior national team. I think there was three kids from the Terriers there, four kids from the Langley Blaze, right? Like you, you see most of these kids in this country that are coming out of these premier programs. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they, the BC Premier League as a whole is is an elite league. It's, you know, the best of the best in, in kind of Western Canada come out here to play. And then, you know, on top of that, you just touched on the Langley Blaze. There's a few teams that really take it to the next level. Um, you know, the goal, I would say, the goal for our high school academy here in Victoria and the goal for the PBL as a whole is to send every single player who wants to go play college baseball to play college baseball. And there are opportunities for that. You know, we send kids anywhere to a small junior college in North Dakota, um, or we send kids to the big schools. Um, you know, obviously there's been a, a ton of success in Baseball Canada lately um, with high draft picks and big schools. Um, you know, some of the big names, um, you know, that I played with in the PBL would be guys like, you know, Michael Saunders, uh, guys like James Paxton, guys like Rene Tassoni. Um, you know, from out east, guys like Philippe Oman, who you mentioned was a teammate of mine. Um, so I think the, the big thing to keep in mind is you hear, you hear these big names and you hear these big schools. Don't assume that that person just, just got there right away, right? I know tons of guys 
who went to play junior college in a small town somewhere for one year, went to a slightly better junior college the next year, and then went to a really good D1 for their third and fourth years. Um, so don't be, you know, oh, I can't do that. I, I'm never going to go to a school like that. Not true. Um, there's, if you want to go play college baseball and you're serious about it, there's an opportunity for you to go play college baseball. I promise you that. It might not be a name that you recognize. It might not be, you know, sexy and shiny right away to start, but you go there and you work hard, you'll get there. And, and one of the, uh, just, uh, in your nation of that, one of the big things that I took away was wanting to play college baseball. I know that not every single athlete that plays in an elite program that plays in, in a triple A midget program wants to go and play collegiate baseball. They just love the game. So how important is that in developing athletes and giving them that, that opportunity to play even the amateur route, whether it's their junior teams locally or their senior teams locally, and really just giving them that encouragement that this is a lifelong sport and it's not necessarily always about playing to the top level. You may not have the desire to do that, but at the end of the day, just being able to play it until you're, I mean, some of the guys here locally play in their forties and fifties and they love it. They, they relish the fact that they get to go down on a Friday night and play a league game. Like how important is that as well to communicate that to our athletes? Oh, it's huge. Uh, I think as a coach, you know, it's, it's understanding your athletes desires and, and kind of managing expectations too. Right. Um, baseball is a game that if you, if you love to play it, it it's going to give you so much back. Um, I think, you know, to, to look bigger picture, I'm now successful in my professional career because of baseball, because of the learnings that I had playing, you know, on a team and, the feedback and the compete level and the, you know, everything that you need to do, you you need to look in the mirror every day and realize that you're only as good as as hard you work. Uh, those things translate to everything in life. And yeah, that's a great point. It's, if you don't want to go play college baseball and it's not for you, awesome. You go do whatever you want, but just, you know, be open and clear with, you know, if your coaching staff is pushing you to do that and you don't want to do that, have that conversation with them. You know, it, I think it's, it's different for every person. Um, if you do want to do that, do it. And if you don't, that's totally cool too. Yeah. I think that's important too, to keep in, you know, a, a lot of us that have, you know, played competitive baseball and, and yourself who's gone much farther is that you had that competitive edge that you wanted to play there. You wanted to play college baseball. You wanted to play professional baseball, but it is important to understand that there's lots of kids on the field that that's not their objective, right? That they, they just want to have fun with their buddies. And I think that's something important for coaches to remember as well. There's certain kids you need to push because they do want those opportunities. And there's certain kids that you don't necessarily need to push because they are there strictly just to have fun, right? And enjoy the game. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of baseball. It's, you know, such a team sport there's there's room out there for everybody um and that i really like that point for sure and uh just as we kind of get get near the end of wrapping this up um one of, one of the big things obviously with yourself uh, baseball in bc is incredibly big i mean um you go to a national tournament and the two team the three teams i should say that stand out here are quebec bc and ontario every single time so Again, what, what, in your opinion, separates uh, athletes in BC and those athletes that play on Team BC from the rest of the country? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. You know, like we're, as we were kind of talking about before, we're lucky 
climate wise. It's just a fact. You know, we're going to have more time on the field year round. Um, I would say outside of that, there's been a because of the success of people like Larry Walker. It's probably started it all right because of the success of somebody like a Justin Morneau. I mean, those are two major league baseball MVPs that are from Vancouver. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know, that kind of opens up a development level that you don't see, you know, if you, you now as the young kids 15 years ago now say, Hey, I can be like that. And then infrastructure and stuff starts getting into place. Programs start popping up, you know, high school baseball academies start popping up. Um, you know, proximity to, um, for us, proximity to the States to go and play travel against, you know, some really big, you know, go down to Washington, California, Oregon, wherever. Um, I'd say that's probably a big part of it. Um, and then it's, I think it's just a mindset. I think it, you know, it's, Hey, you know, we've had success here. We've sent people to the highest level. We can develop these players. We can do this as good as anybody else, you know, so let's do it. So it's, it's developing that development mindset. Um, and I think, you know, the winning is kind of a byproduct of the development. Um, you know, you're not necessarily going in and say, hey, I want to win every game. That's not what it's all about. You're saying, hey, we want to develop these young men and young women to be the best athletes that they can be. Um, and we're going to win as a result of that. And it's big too. I mean, you, you hit on it right there. It's kind of that development and kind of uh, like the access to it. Um, again, we're us being uh, one of the first and only facilities that offer baseball specific instruction uh, on the Island. And uh, for yourself growing up, what was, uh, again, um, was it use of facilities uh, like indoor facilities? Was it uh, the chance to get out on the ball field and play games or was it, uh, was it more skill specific that really assisted you in developing your game to get to the next level? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I would say the the kids here now have it a lot better than I did. There's so many facilities now um, around BC for indoor, you know, year round indoor baseball. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say for me, it was honestly more of just like backyard games with your buddies, and like that stuff's so important. Going out and you know playing wiffle ball in the yard playing hot box, throwing it around, throwing around the football, whatever, um, you know, and then it just a, just a, a really a love and passion to be around the game as much as you can. Um, you know, as a kid, I loved, I loved going to the field to play baseball whenever it was, um, you know, you might not have the best facilities. You might not have the best gear. It doesn't really matter. Just go out and, you know, having a baseball in your hand, having a bat in your hand is, is so key. Um, and I touched on it as well. I think playing other sports is a really big thing. Like, you know, there's so much burnout these days and, and think about all the Tommy John surgeries and shoulder surgeries, some kids throwing too much, you know, go do everything you can, you know, play hockey, play basketball, play soccer. Um, and then when it comes, you know, when it's baseball season, be committed to baseball season. Um, I think that's a big part. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about love in the game, a few conversations I've had with some coaches. I mean, when I grew up, I mean, I watched a tremendous amount of baseball. Anytime the Jays was on, and it's a big commitment to be a sports fan in Newfoundland, everything happened, <laughs> you know, so so late out here. 
But I mean, I watched you know, every Blue Jays game, and I'm I'm sure you were very similar growing up. I mean, you probably watched the Mariners and the Blue Jays, probably a yeah. combination of both, and and love the game. And and uh, you know, parents and coaches are talking about now how the kids just don't watch sports the same way. I mean, can you talk a little bit about how much you learned about the game of baseball, not from playing it, but just from watching it? A ton. Yeah, that that's a really good point. You know, there's there's so much nuance in the game of baseball and it's such a really a beautiful game because of that the casual fan watching baseball would say oh it's boring i don't want to watch it if you're a baseball player watching baseball you guys know you pick up on so much more um and you can you can learn a ton from sitting and watching those guys the guys that you see on tv are the best of the best it is incredibly hard to get there watch what they do watch how they go about their business Watch how professional they are. Watch how they take it there at bats. Watch how they step into the batter's box. Watch how the pitcher sit, you know, is on the mound. Watch the infielder set up. Watch the outfield alignment. Watch the catcher giving signals. There's endless stuff that you can watch and learn from. There, there definitely is, and I mean that goes for again any sport. And it's it's a great point that Ryan made, and I'm glad he brought that up and kind of got your opinion on it. So one question that I had, uh, sort of as we uh, near the end of this right now. Um, so growing up, who was your mentor in baseball? There's obviously, obviously we all have somebody that we look up to. Actually, it's funny enough. My men, somebody I looked up to was Ronnie, Ronnie Sweeney, right? So Ryan's brother, because again, uh, that experience with the junior national team and then playing division two and then, uh, doing all those sort of things. So for yourself, who was that? Um, obviously in a hotbed of baseball in BC. Yeah, great question. I I think I had kind of multiple as it as it went along. You know, I can I can think back to a few like little league coaches that were really influential. Um, after that, you know, there's the, my my premier baseball coach. I've, I'm still good friends with to this day. He was he was really influential. Um, he was a really good mentor. And then you know, for me, the guy that I was really similar to and it kind of laid it out for me was Michael Saunders. Um, Mike is a good friend of mine. He, you know, he was two years ahead of me, um, going through everything that I was going through. Um, so he was, he, my 10th grade year was his 12th grade year. Um, so he had gone through the draft and going to college and signing and all that stuff a few years before I had. So I kind of leaned on him, you know, really hard. Um, and I think mentors are really important and it doesn't have to be a, a professional athlete by any means. Um, you know, I, some coaches who were, you know, they just loved the game. They had nothing to do with baseball, except they loved the game. You know, those were kind of my mentors, you know, obviously in BC, you're looking up to, you know, the names that, you know, so at the time, I don't know if you guys remember Rich Harden, um, he's a Victoria boy, you know, he was, that was a big mentor for me as well. Um, my first year going to spring training, Russell Martin was with the Dodgers, and he was he was a huge guy I looked up to um, as a Canadian, having a lot of success. Um, so I don't think you need to nail it down to one mentor. I think you can have many, but I think it's important to to look up to those people and and how they're going about their business. Definitely, uh, we actually just had one question from one of our athletes. Um, he asked. Uh, for yourself, Kyle, what age did you start getting noticed by scouts, um, not only collegially, but professionally? Yeah, I would say probably around 15, um, you know, grade 10 year, my first year playing on, on Team BC. Um, you know, college recruiting will typically, you know, start somewhere 
around 16, 17 years old, I would say. Um, I was always, always multi-sport athlete up until, you know, I, I played high school basketball throughout. Um, but up until grade 12, I really, grade 12 was when I really said, okay, it's going to be baseball and, and that's good. Perfect. I hope that answers. Sorry. Was there any point in time you talked about it's important, um, you know, you, you decided in grade 12, but had you started, you know, in the couple of years before that tapering off some of the other things as you started to get noticed in baseball or did you kind of wait or how did, how did that process go for you? Yeah. I mean, you got to wait and it starts getting more and more demanding, obviously, the, you know, the higher up you get and the more teams you're playing on and stuff. So for sure you start to taper off. Um, I would say, yeah, you know, by my senior year in high school, it was, it was baseball with basketball just as a side thing. Whereas, you know, maybe, you know, grade eight, nine, 10, it would have been kind of more equally parts of both. Um, you know, as if college is a realistic expectation for you, and if you want to do that, then, you know, it becomes pretty full on in your last couple of years of high school. So uh, again, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up there, but I really want to thank you, Kyle, for joining us today. Um, Again, we'll uh, we'll let you go now and kind of start your day. I know it's only about maybe close to ten o'clock there in uh, BC, but um, once again, from uh, myself, thank you very much for uh, coming on with us today and answering a few questions and giving uh, our athletes, our viewers, a little more insight into uh, the world of baseball and kind of the, your background and uh, how you're still involved with the game to this day. Uh, Ryan, anything from you? No, I guess if there's anything uh, you're working on yourself, if you want to plug it a little bit, Kyle, is there anything you'd like to plug or anything you'd like to say to our members you know, that are listening? Uh, yeah, no, nothing to plug. Just I really appreciate, uh, you know, coming on and taking the time to talk to everybody. Um, always love, uh, you know, young athletes trying to trying to make it in baseball in Canada and, and keeping keeping everything going. So it's uh, been a pleasure. Uh, Noah Ryan, thanks a lot for uh, for reaching out, and you know, feel free to circulate uh, any contact info for me to any of your athletes that want to follow up with any questions. No, perfect. And do you have any social media you can plug for them if they want to reach out to you? I know a lot of guys have been kind of giving out, and I, I'm sure they are reaching out as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. I uh, I think my my uh, Twitter is just at Kyle Orr, so check it out and uh, reach out if you need. <laughs> perfect. Thank you very much, Kyle. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks again, Kyle. All right. Cheers.